Michelle Glauser is the founder and CEO of Tectonica, a nonprofit based in San Francisco that provides tuition-free tech training to low-income women and non-binary adults. Tectonica places them in positions at sponsoring companies that are ready to support more diverse teams. She leads Pi Ladies SF, and she has also helped make the hashtag I Look Like an Engineer ad campaign go viral in 2015. Since becoming an engineer in 2012, she's been passionate about helping underrepresented people join, feel comfortable in, and stay in the software industry. So I'm here literally uh, on the ground of uh, PyCon 2017 in Portland uh, with Michelle Lauser. And thanks so much for responding to my tweet on Twitter. Yeah, no problem. I was excited to hear that you're doing this podcast. Yeah, <laughs> awesome. Thanks. So I want to dive right in uh, to talk about some career and life advice. So. What led you to become an engineer, and what inspired you to be an advocate for underrepresented groups in tech? Yeah, um, so in 2012, I was working in a startup in San Francisco and barely able to afford rent. And I kept needing more content from the engineers in the company, and it just wasn't moving fast enough. And mm -hmm. I kept thinking, I wish I could build this myself. That would be so cool. So I started Googling it, and I found out about an intensive training program, did one of the first boot camps, and got into a software engineering job right after. So it was it was seriously amazing. It was a great fit, and it tripled my income. But uh, cool. it's funny that looking back, I didn't see all of the things that were good signs that I would be a good fit for an engineer. Mm. Um, I was in computer clubs and stuff during school, but no one ever said, hey, did you know you could like study software engineering and do this yeah. as a career? <laughs> yeah, so what did you work in um, prior to uh, that role in tech? Yeah, um, I was aiming to get a PhD in digital humanities, Okay. and didn't get into one of the programs I wanted to get into, and thought, actually, maybe I want to do like more businessy stuff, and ended up applying for this startup in San Francisco, and mm -hmm. I did basically everything but engineering. <laughs> yeah, okay. Cool. Um, what have you seen change in the industry since you've started uh, in terms of um, underrepresented groups uh, going into tech? Right. Um, I've definitely seen that more companies are having those conversations. Mm -hmm. And it used to be more just about diversity, but now people are also talking about inclusion because they realize they can get people into the company, but they'll probably just leave if they're not feeling very included. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so I really like that, and I think there is more support for juniors because of all of the demand for engineers, um, and more acceptance of non-traditional pathways, really. Mm -hmm. Everyone knows what a coding boot camp is now, yeah. and they, I think, are also adapting the way they interview for that. Mm -hmm. like I've seen less, uh, not as many companies are doing like whiteboard algorithms interviews. Yeah. It's more of a code challenge, which I think is great because you want someone who can start building for you right away. Mm -hmm. Okay. So did you go through a coding boot camp yourself um, in yes. your journey? Okay. Yeah. Hackbrite. Oh, cool. Um, how was that experience? It was, it was really intense. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, and great. Yeah. Cool. Uh, and the next couple of questions, I'll be reading uh, excerpts from things I've read online um, that I think will uh, describe the context for our listeners. Um, so I've noticed that some people in underrepresented groups feel this ethical obligation to help their own groups, um, sometimes at the opportunity cost uh, slash uh, mental bandwidth expense of their own technical growth. 
So the following excerpt is a series of tweets that I've put together um, by the person behind Amy Codes. You can follow her at, at the Amy Code that describes this phenomenon kind of well. So uh, beginning the quote, something I noticed among college CS women is that they often fall victim to their own selflessness. What does this mean? This means they go past their mental bandwidth limitations to help female peers and handle intense logistical community organizing roles. Leadership slash organizing is great if you're not sacrificing your own technical growth. For some period of time, I suffered from this and felt like the responsibility of progressing women in tech fell on my shoulders. The leadership roles I took on at school spread me thin. As a result, I learned less in school and performed poorly. My non-academic technical growth was uh, also significantly stagnated. I'm not saying don't take on leadership roles, not at all. I'm saying don't take on roles at the expense of your own technical growth, end quote. So Michelle, what are your thoughts on this quote? And how do you balance your advocacy with uh, your own technical growth? Oh, I definitely agree. I think um, I know many, many people who have felt like getting too involved with community organizing has kind of stunted their growth as developers. Mm -hmm. um, and I've felt that way too. Honestly, when I first started organizing, it was because there were events missing that I wanted to see. And I thought, oh, this will be so useful for me. Mm. But as an organizer, you don't really have the mental capacity to like uh, pay attention while you're also making sure the food's okay and like that people are getting checked in and uh, answering yeah. questions about who's up next and stuff like that. Mm. Um, so I have noticed that and yeah, it's, it is problematic, but I do know that studies have shown girls and women are more motivated by being able to help people. Mm -hmm. So maybe what is missing is like rotating that community responsibility and finding roles, engineering roles that people feel can make a difference. So they yeah. kind of get that from their job. And then I've become better at delegating. So this year I just made a whole bunch of Google Docs, had a big mm -hmm. meeting with everyone who was willing to help yeah. and we assigned out everything for the year. Right. So that's been really helpful. And then on the on Slack channels and other communities I'm part of, I feel like, especially as a moderator, you get the help from other people's questions. Like mm. you're learning from that as well. But yeah, for right now, because I'm working on Tectonica full time, I've consciously like put aside that learning mm. process and I'm just using my current skills to help the students. Yeah. And uh, I also figure that um, in the events that you do decide to uh, focus um, more on your technical growth as well, that you're sort of building up the infrastructure, like the information infrastructure, um, to uh, support the continuity of, of those initiatives that you've started. Right. Um, all right, so the next excerpt I want to read is from an article entitled, um, Women are over-mentored but under-sponsored. Uh, this is from the Harvard Business Review. Um, so begin quote. Uh, when we use the term sponsoring, we focus in on that one specific function of mentoring, which may or may not be part of a relationship. And sponsoring really is a very targeted thing. It has to do with fighting to get somebody a promotion, mentioning their name in an appointments meeting, and making sure that the person that you're sponsoring gets the next assignment and gets visible and developmental assignments." End quote. So yeah, this article makes a distinction between mentoring versus sponsoring. Um, I think that Tectonica sounds cool since y'all are sponsoring people externally to other companies. Um, so can you describe a time when a person in your career, uh, internal to an organization that you were part of, was a sponsor? Yes. Mm. Um, but first I have to say with a caveat that 
Yeah, I guess like what, yeah, your thought your thoughts on this quote too, if you like agree or disagree, uh, yeah. that women are over mentored but under sponsored. Oh, I totally, totally agree. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like a lot of people don't even know what it really means to sponsor or mm-hmm. advocate for someone else. Um, but most of the jobs that I have done since becoming a software engineer were for startups. Mm-hmm. And with startups, there are just limited resources for people to be mentoring and sponsoring each other. Right. Um, and sometimes as underrepresented people, you don't even feel comfortable looking for someone who can do that for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I often reached out to other people I'd met at meetups, for example, which is why I find those events so helpful. Um, but one mm-hmm. person I did want to name was my former mm-hmm. boss, Shay Tate Didana. Mm-hmm. Uh, she had this startup and took me on as the only engineer. Wow. When I still mm. only had like three years of experience or something mm. like that. Um, and she just had a lot of faith in me and would connect me with people who were willing to help with the startup. And she's still a supporter to this day, even though we don't work together anymore. Mm. Okay, that's awesome. Um, yeah. Yeah, so how did the hashtag I look like an engineer ad take off? Uh, yeah, so. Mm. There was an ad with my spouse's coworker on it, and a lot of people responded and said she didn't really look like an engineer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just rolled my eyes because I've heard that a million times. Yeah. So I reached out in solidarity, and I suggested that we kind of, in response, put up a billboard showing underrepresented engineers. Mm-hmm. And she said, I like where your mind's at, but I think that'll break the internet. <laughs> and then she said, how about a hashtag? So yeah. she put oh, up the nice. hashtag, mm-hmm. we, we both did, and then um, I spread it to every community that I'm part of, mm-hmm. and it went viral very quickly. So I said, great, it looks like there would be interest. Mm-hmm. We did an event, and then we started a fundraiser, and raised $47,000 and put up billboards around the Bay Area. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Thanks. Um, so yeah, let's talk about uh, PyCon uh, while we're here. So uh, what do you like about the Python community compared to um, sort of like other universes, like uh, other communities of uh, programming um, sort of uh, organizations and languages? Yeah, I, I feel like because Python was specifically made to be friendly to beginners, Mm -hmm. that it already has a welcoming feeling among the groups because they were thinking of them as they did that. Um, And right now, because there was such a stereotype of what an engineer looks like or what groups they belong to, Mm -hmm. um, like being able to say, yes, we're welcoming to beginners also meant being welcoming to more underrepresented groups. Yeah. Um, And I feel like with PyCon specifically, after there were issues a few years ago, um, they just have made a very conscious effort to mm-hmm. bring more underrepresented groups to Python, PyCon. Mm-hmm. And they, um, I love that they, every year on Twitter, they announce the numbers. Yeah, um, like uh, statistics. Yeah, um, and they're doing a great job, it yeah. seems like. I, I've been very impressed to see that they get to like 50% women speakers, and you yeah. know, it's mm-hmm. pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, Guido himself uh, has been sort of like instrumental in building up the Python culture yes. to be so inclusive. Um, I remember there was a uh, Python keynote where he was taking questions, mm-hmm. and I think he made a conscious effort to like uh, only like take questions from women in the audience. Yeah. I thought that was interesting. I was there. Yeah. Oh, you were there. Oh, that's <laughs> yeah. awesome. So, what's been your favorite part about this year's PyCon? Whether that's like a talk or a speaker, 
or anything uh, specific that you learned? Yeah, um, I really love open spaces, although yeah. they're kind of hit or miss sometimes. Sure. Um, because they're more of a discussion, mm -hmm. and so many of the talk, I guess all of the talks really, you just kind of are passively taking things in, and then you might be able to ask a question at the end if there aren't too many questions. Mm -hmm. um, so I really like that group effort to talk about stuff. Yeah. And then um, I also really like the uh, lightning talks because you find out about different projects people are working on. Mm. Like today I found out about pyvideo.org. Yeah. And they yeah. just have this huge database of all these videos. And I thought, oh, I could put some PyLadies videos on there. Mm. So I'm going to do that later. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, so I, for, for the listeners who like aren't aware of the open spaces concept, uh, essentially, uh, out in the middle of the convention center, they have this sort of uh, in real life uh, spreadsheet containing times and different open rooms where people can just put up an index card uh, to organize little slots for people of similar interests to mm -hmm. uh, join together um, and just kind of chat. So, uh, it's kind of an unconference thing. Yeah, and on, yeah, exactly. And so, I think uh, one of uh, the interesting looking ones was um, Imports Anti Gravity, which is like an Acro Yoga one. Um, <laughs> and then there was also some about like bioinformatics. Mm -hmm. um, I've heard really good things about that one. I didn't yeah, go. Yeah, like the, the science uh, focused groups uh, met up there. So, I, I, yeah, so these ad hoc meetups, I definitely um, recommend um, a person, you know, throwing, whether it's like a hackathon. I, I have a lot of friends who uh, throw hackathons like at their schools um, to. Uh, maybe introduce open spaces uh, or that uh, provide that like lo logistics for that. Absolutely. There, There's um, actually a venues. whole format for that with yeah. Barcamp. I don't know if you've heard Barcamp. of Barcamp. No, it's Barcamp. Uh, it's it's an on unconference that people just have organized themselves and held all over the world, mm -hmm. and they have a wiki on how exactly to do it and a bunch of tips. And okay. yeah, they're all just cool unconferences. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. All right, so uh, we can um, uh, go to the uh, sort of fun question round and uh, sort of conclude. So what's your favorite city in the whole world? <laughs> I, that's a really hard question because I have a lot of favorites. Mm. Uh, I'll, say, I'll just give you all of them. How's that? Sure, yeah. Uh, so I lived in Leipzig in Germany for a few wow. years yeah. and just loved it. It's mm -hmm. like not too big, not too small. It has old buildings next to new ones. Mm -hmm. It has really great musical history with Mendelssohn and Bach and oh. it was just amazing. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I love Boston. I'm in San Francisco now and really love it, mm -hmm. especially the weather is pretty moderate, so I bike yeah. everywhere. Mm -hmm. And London's great. I love Bern, and I was very impressed when I went to Krakow. Uh, what are your plans going forward with your advocacy? Um, right now the plan is just to continue doing all the things I'm doing, and mm -hmm. sometimes I... Uh, feel very overwhelmed by all of it because mm. I'm still running Pilate San Francisco and yeah. I am kind of like the moderator and community lead for a Slack channel called Lady Nerds and the events we do with them and then I try to share things that are representative of advocacy on Twitter as well. Mm -hmm. So it's a lot but I feel like all of those help with what I'm doing for Tectonica students right now. Hmm. So they're important to keep doing, to keep building those relationships. And um, so I can like connect the students to people's companies, but as well mm -hmm. as to the people so they can see, oh, well, this person has a similar background or she's like me and yeah. she was able to make it successfully. So, so mm -hmm. can I. Yeah. Yeah. So what are sort of the, the like the networks or like meetups you go to 
in order to um, attract uh, attention to Tectonica? Um, like to get people from those groups who right. may not be aware of like, um, you know, software engineering yet or... Oh, you mean like to attract students? Yeah, to attract students oh, or gotcha. even meant uh, uh, teachers. Right, there, okay. Yeah. So, um, PyLadies obviously yeah. is the big one because I help organize those. Mm. Um, and then I go to Women Who Code events. Mm. I basically have a whole bunch of notifications from meetup.com and other nice. places. Yeah. And then in all of the Slack channels I'm in, there's an events channel mm. that people will post links in. So I just look at ones that seem like they might be interesting. Mm. And with most of them, it's or probably not most, but with a lot of them, it's not even that I think, oh, this will be helpful for Tectonica. I'm just like, right. oh, I really want to go to this talk. Yeah. Mm. So I'll go, and then people will be like, what do you do? And it <laughs> just comes up, you know? Hand yeah. out lots of cards, make mm. lots of connections. Uh, yeah, and then as far as finding students, so we specifically, or I've helped with Railsbridge workshops, for example, mm. and the, like, it kind of bothered me that there were, they were already getting people who knew about engineering and who probably could already afford to go get a new bachelor's or something. Yeah. Uh, so I said, you know, let's do it at local computer labs so people mm. who don't have laptops can come learn yeah. about coding. Yeah, that's definitely good So that's what good we start doing yeah. and we always do it through community organizations. Mm. And at first we started saying like, learn to code and people mm. said, what, what does that mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so our flyers changed to mm. how to build a website. And, yeah. Oh, cool, okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'm interested in that and they would all come and love it. So we continue to do those and they're really great. So who do you think I should interview in the future? Yeah, um, the first people who came to mind were Camilla Taylor mm -hmm. from LinkedIn and Kate Hiddleston, who's actually here at PyCon. Oh, cool. And mm -hmm. she has been a really great mentor to women in tech and a fabulous Python Django developer. Mm -hmm. And she started, I think last year or maybe a year and a half or two years ago, mm -hmm. um, a DevOps company called Absolutely. Oh, I've heard of them. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. So she would be really great to talk to. She's done a lot of talks, and yeah, I think she'd be good. Yeah, awesome. Do you have any last words to our yes, listeners? Yes, of course. Since I'm currently looking for companies to sponsor and hire Tectonica students, I would say yeah. if you like the idea of Tectonica, you should definitely check out the videos and profiles of our students, and then get your friends and companies to support them. Yay. Cool. Um, and then if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's just at Michelle Glauser and I tweet lots of cool stuff. Awesome, yeah. yeah. Uh, do, do you recommend like any other uh, people to follow on Twitter? Ooh, um, so a lot of the ones that I really enjoy are kind of advocates for mm. diversity in tech, so yeah. I'd say Sarah May would be mm. great, um, Erica Joy Baker is fabulous. Mm. Um, oh, there's so many. <laughs> Basically, if you look at the at ones that I'm sharing yeah. all yeah. the time, you'll know exactly who they are. Great. Thanks so much for responding to my tweet. No problem. Uh, Thank out you. to the world. Yeah. <laughs> All right. If you enjoyed listening to this, subscribe to our social media accounts for updates. If you have any ideas for guests, panels, hosting, or sponsorship opportunities, do contact us at eShipcast on Twitter, eShipcast on Facebook, or Rainier at utexas.edu. Thanks for listening.